Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor, and we have a special guest on today, Eric Saldivar. Yes. Nice to meet you, you guys. Nice to be here. Yeah, so great to have you. Um, so you are a Codesmith resident. You are uh, in the same program as I am, but a, a class ahead. Um, do you want to tell, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I am in the Codesmith part-time remote immersive cohort three. I'm a mid, which basically there are three parts. There are the junior phase, which is uh, introducing you to the Codesmith uh, principles, like you know, uh, front-end, back-end, all of that, um, algorithms, uh, computer science principles. And then the mid portion is the project phase, and then the senior portion is the hiring phase, career phase, all of that. So I'm in the middle, almost to the end of the middle. Um, a little about, bit about me is that I guess, how do I introduce myself in a non-arrogant way? It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> always so weird to talk time. about yourself, but um, mm-hmm. I am a teacher. I teach, I've taught second grade, fifth grade, and I'm going to teach fourth grade for a short amount of time, I hope, because this should be my last year of teaching. Um, I'm a veteran of the armed uh, forces, which was the Air Force. And then the uh, Texas Army National Guard. Um, I'm a father of two, of twins, a boy and a girl, Kai and Aurora, and I am a husband. And yeah, that's me in a nutshell. So do you live in Texas for a while or do you still live in Texas or? I do. Um, I've mostly lived in Texas my whole life besides my military service, but I'm from Fort Worth originally, although I don't like to claim it. Uh, I, I met my wife and worked in and went to school in Austin, Texas. Um, then we moved over here to Houston. We don't actually live in Houston proper. We live west of Houston. But um, yeah, that's where we are currently. Uh, we have a home here. It's nice. Uh, but, you know, if I'm being honest, it's not my cup of tea. It's not Austin. And it certainly is at all the other places that I've lived and, and visited. So um mm. and i'm sure we'll unpack it later but it's one of my motivations to get into um software engineering is so that i have uh some flexibility yeah mm. do you think you're going to move once you have that uh, financial stability Ah, uh, yeah well um yeah i mean financial stability uh it, just being candid we're fine but you know if we're me and my wife are projecting She's also um, in the middle of a transition of sorts. She was a teacher and now she's not, but she's she's doing uh, she's making some moves. But um, but yeah, for me, this is going to be you know, uh, Eric, you're a teacher, right? Yeah, and music teacher. So so this is you know like it's gonna be a night and day as far as salary. So financial <laughs> stability, I would call it actually like more like thriving being able to do stuff with my finances rather Mm. than just like pay for my mortgage and the daycare i'd rather have some options you know take a vacation without uh counting every single dollar things like that yeah yeah definitely that's uh to be honest that's one of my major motivations as well you know i've been teaching music uh you know private lessons for a few years and you know it's, it's basically a side gig i have a handful of students it's great. I enjoy it, but it's not a sustainable source of income. I'm, you know, I'm landscaping during the day and it's 
hard it's hard work right and basically yeah basically i just have enough to pay the rent pay for food and you know like the little conveniences but you know not really ever able to take a vacation or anything yeah. like that yeah um i i feel like everybody has their own path and how they get here to software engineering or maybe in general to more lucrative fields but um but my main motivation as well is not just for the sake of my kids and our financial stability but like i want i want to just do something i'm passionate about and and be compensated accordingly (laughs) (laughs) so yeah just oh yeah and i'll never find that in teaching i just won't Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, in this country. Yeah. Do you have an idea of what kind of company you'd like to work at or what kind of thing you'd like to do? I don't. Uh, I have a couple of companies that I I want to work at, but and I read through your uh, outline without without going into those questions and answering preemptively. But um, yeah, I, I I don't have like a big fish I want to land. You know, there's some people who want to work for Fang and. And I, and I, and you know, those big companies, Apple, Facebook, Google, uh, Netflix, Amazon, that, that, that seems like maybe, I I don't know. I'm in a, I'm kind of in a, um, limbo in, so to speak, because this mid portion, uh, you're, I'm fleshing out my projects. I'm, I'm putting my heart and soul into them. You know, like I'm making sure that whoever looks at my work says, okay, I'll hire that person. So as far as what company do I want to work for? I want to work for a company that gives me an hour lunch that lets me, um, you know, lets me have some creative freedom. Uh, I want to work with a collaborative team of highly proficient technical people. And I, I, um, and I want them to kind of find me because, um, you know, I, I'm worth, I'm worth the investment as an employee and I think I'll mm-hmm. I'll be a really good asset wherever I want. That's the long answer, but the short answer is there are a couple of cool companies. Um I'm a I'm a gamer, you know, like but I'll never get into like game development. Uh I've heard some pretty horrible things about that industry, crunch mm-hmm. and just like a meat grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh and then maybe they they also say don't ever like work on something you love necessarily. Like if you love gaming then you kind of lose the magic of gaming if you're developing the games. Maybe as a passion project on my own, but uh, but yeah, like Blizzard is in Austin. Uh, so's Zenimax Studios, um, a couple of game development companies. There's uh, Google in Austin. There's um, there's Amazon in Austin as well. We've got Chase in Houston, um, but. You know, I'm I'm just kind of like gonna go where the road takes me. So I don't mm. know who I'll end up working for. Someone cool, really, I hope. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool to hear you say that. You know, that you value yourself as an employee. I think that's that's incredibly valuable. And you know, just to to be able to recognize your own self worth and that you that you deserve to be treated with like some some decency. You know. Yeah. Well, I don't get that in my in my uh, profession right now. Like. It's hard dealing with parents of students. It's hard dealing with administrators that just want you to work crazy hours and get paid pennies for the actual time you put in. Um, I've I've done my service for the government and for you know like local government with teaching. I am, um, you know, like 
maybe for when I was younger and didn't have kids, it was, I really don't care. You know, I make enough. But now, I mean, putting money away for college, I'm just like, oh my gosh, it's, <laughs> it's just a, the, the, the situation has changed. But mm-hmm. I also want, yeah, I'm going to value myself because I spent so long just kind of like just going to work, but not, mm-hmm. not even looking forward to it. Um, so yeah, the company I, I work for, I'm going to look forward to going and, and punching, punching my ticket and, um, and I, I want to do great things for them. So I'm looking forward to meeting them kind of like, it's all weird, but it's kind of like dating in the way that it's <laughs> like, I don't know who's out there for me, but I know mm-hmm. I'll know it when I meet them. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's something yeah. I've been thinking about a little bit, just I don't know. I don't know if you had ever had the dream of working for a startup doing like super high impact stuff that is supposed to change the world and stuff like that. Um, and I, it's something I think about sometimes, but I'm not sure if I could handle it or how long I could handle it for. But what you were talking about yeah. with with teaching and being in the military, it kind of reminds me, reminded me of the way I've been thinking about that, which is you know you can have times in your life where you're making all these sacrifices to you know improve other people's lives, and then you can kind of move on when you're, when you're a little bit older and you have that behind you and you can just say, okay, I want to have a, you know, a comfortable life. I want to provide for my family. However, however Mm -hmm. I can do that. And, and there's nothing, there's nothing that's wrong with that. I think that's a, I think that's a, a very valuable way to, to look at things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point, do I want to work for a company that, you know, that maybe has a noble pursuit? Mm, I would hope that I can, make money and work for a company that has a noble pursuit. I hope they're not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and I want, I came here with the intent of being honest. So I, I need to make the salary that can support a family of four with the goals I already mentioned. Um, I've had some startups actually start trying to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. But I haven't really taken them seriously because um, I'm in a different, you know, I'm 36. Uh, I've got, my kids are three and a half. They're, it's different now. Like I, I've got to think about, about the financial picture and that, that is, it's selfish, but it is what it is. You know, like, um, hopefully I could work for a company that does care and I'm sure they're departments, but I don't think, you know, it's their main objective. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're thinking about your kids, I think that's the, that's not selfish at all at that point. I mean, it's yeah. you know, you have to do what you have to do. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, so Eric, I don't know if you, you know this statistic, but Trevor and I uh, did an episode on doing good, better, a book by, who's that by Trevor? Will McCaskill. Will McCaskill, uh, which is about doing effective altruism. Uh, you know, uh, applying your source, your resources to do good in the world. And uh, he brings in a pretty astounding statistic that anyone making greater than $52,000 per year is globally in the 1%, you know, even adjusting for like local costs of, of resources, food and and all that kind of stuff, even accounting for that, you're, it's, you're still in the, the global 1%. And 
I, I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? What does it keep me up at night, if you're wondering? Uh, I haven't <laughs> looked sure. into that. But um, the way I look at it is, yeah, I, I do think that we're all responsible for the greater good. Um, mm. I, tried, I try educating and instilling that in my students. I've, I've served my country, which might, you know, super, maybe like an unpopular opinion. I don't know if that service is the greater good. I know that I'm serving my country. But it's mm. not serving the world as a whole. Super big topic, maybe uh-huh. worth revisiting on a different episode, because mm-hmm. I could talk about that for for hours. But um, uh, yeah, so my situation, I think, and I, I've been to some countries uh, where I, I I witnessed firsthand that I'm fortunate. Like if you can, like if you can travel. If you own a car, if you've got, uh, you know, certain square footage in your home, then you're fortunate uh, Mm. because that that's not a right everyone is allowed to have. That's not a privilege that is opened up to everyone. It's easy Mm. um, to, you know, put it another way. Um, I assume we're all born in the United States um, Mm. and that that puts us ahead. Um, like immediately like immediately we're in a uh, in a more advantageous place than than others um so you you might say now it's my responsibility to to work towards helping people and 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 to pay it forward and and so i i didn't answer the question super accurately earlier but i'll say this one of the things i want to do and and I hate like like I don't want to hate say hate to say it but like you know how you put like a desire out there and you feel like oh gosh now people know right but uh-huh. I'll say it because you know I I'm, I like to I you know with my podcast and with your podcast I think it's a it's a platform for honesty so um, one of my things that I really want to do is work uh, for SpaceX. Cool. Now I just have no idea how possible that is or realistic, but <laughs> um, but I think my greater good is like what is humanity going to look like years from now? Where's where where are hmm. my kids? I'm and you know climate. It's not like it's not like it's not important to me, but it's just not something I think about as far as like I need to make my impact there. Um, hmm. But space and the like, the final frontier. Oh my gosh, that's just like a, a boy fantasy or a childhood fantasy for most people. And I just think, wow, that's we've got to care about space. So totally. yeah, if I if I said, I, where do I want to work? SpaceX. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think about Elon Musk's whole work ethic and what he expects of his employees? Because I, I mean, I think he said he pulls like eighty-hour work weeks, and he kind of expects people who work for his companies to have that same willingness to, to push themselves and, and, you know, and not, maybe not with the, the pay increasing with the, the extra hours. How, 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 how do you feel about that? I think that, um, I think that CEOs are detached from what people on the ground level do for a living mm. and their struggles. And just, um, they, they're in a different world. Like they don't, they don't really, when you have so much wealth, I think uh, even when you like, let, let's put it a different way. I knew a friend that 
made below minimum wage for a long time. And then they actually got into oil and gas, which is pretty big out here in, in, uh, in Houston. Um, they, they just they changed them. They, they didn't. They bought thousands of dollars worth of clothing. They bought a huge $400,000 house, which is pretty uh, substantial here in Texas. Um, and, and they just, it, it became this thing about material wealth, possessions, things. Mm. And uh, they didn't understand that. I, other people, including myself, couldn't necessarily keep up with their lifestyle. And they put in those hours to do it. And so you start to lose your perception and, and your empathy towards others when you achieve status, power, wealth. Uh, one of the things I'm hoping to take with me is that I've been a teacher and I've even before that, uh, I've been in positions where I don't have a lot of money, you know, like um, mm. like I was evicted a lot with my mom when I was younger. Um, mm. We didn't have food security. Uh, that, that saddens me that that mm. might be something. And I don't know. I haven't read that article or, or I'm not familiar with Elon Musk personally, like. Um, as far as reading things and about him, but uh, I'm I'm sure you know like with Amazon and other companies that there could be this grind crunch, um, and it's not just exclusive to that profession like teaching. Uh, one of the things I hate is that people judge you if you leave before 4 p.m. Uh, mm. People judge you if you. Um, don't say that you love this profession like you that this is your calling um whatever happens is just working you know like that like i don't plan to live to work i I work so i i can go live my life you know i'm not living to to be a number in a company um but i i i um i don't necessarily agree with that philosophy it's mm. and and you know I'm sure I'll encounter it and then maybe if that if it comes to a situation where I have to make a decision to go somewhere else I will hypothetically <laughs> yeah yeah and and going back to earlier when I when I brought up the uh, you know you're part of the global one percent it's like you know as as we as we were talking about you know there's more than one way to do good in the world and it seems like you have a really firm grasp on that. You know, it's not all just about giving giving all of your money away to, to to certain causes or anything. You know, it's it's uh, you know, how you interact with the the people around you. Yeah. If you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram, or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. One of the things 
I found pursuing software engineering is that uh, a lot of people are coming from backgrounds that are not with computer science degree. Uh, mm. And they want to get out of their lifestyle. Maybe post-COVID or during COVID, they're like, oh, uh, this just isn't working out for me. I need to do something different. Um, yep. and, and that has been like a powerful motivator. Uh, one of the reasons I'm in our, our program is because it has a big community and people want to mm. help. Um, you know, I found a lot of success through helping people get into software development, even at my stage, because I'm just helping people with algorithms, simple ones, uh, mm-hmm. helping people write readmes or uh, you know curate their LinkedIn or make their GitHub look better or whatever. Just just all these small things the mm-hmm. that they didn't even know they were unfamiliar with, and. Uh, one of the biggest things I look for in in helping people in is that I'm I've I seek out mentorship, and so to pay that kindness forward, I, I try to mentor those coming in, and totally. and and even being on this podcast and being and, and hosting my podcast with my fellow co-host, um, we're reaching out to a community, and I think that's helpful, you know, like because. People giving knowledge to people, passing that forward uh, without any kind of, a, you know, like nobody's nobody's paying us to do the podcast. And I just think that um, nobody has to. Like, if you want to give help, it should be sincere and genuine and then give it freely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, as you said, uh, you know, a lot of people are coming into computer science from a lot of different financial backgrounds. And... Uh, there are, you know, different mentalities of wealth and how people perceive that uh, affects your value as an individual. You know, as you mentioned, your friend who uh, got into oil and uh, became, uh, I don't know if you would say obsessed with, you know, just like uh, material gain and... uh, so considering that, I mean, how, how do you think that perceptions of class relate to uh, different jobs and different uh, levels of income? I'd say it's there. You know, like the biggest, um, probably the best example I could think of is, is those financial guys, those stockbrokers, Wall Street, Ivy Leagues feed into the, the financial sector. Um, there are definitely cultural and systemic things in place, systems in place that funnel a certain pedigree of people towards uh, even just like a, an area of study. In, in my, in my in, when I teach, I, 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 make it, I go out of my way to make sure that, that females in my class know that math and science is not just for them. Like the African-Americans and, and Hispanics know that it's not just uh, a Caucasian thing to do. Um, mm. And it's so weird because we have standardized testing that they're like, okay, you need to focus on the African-American population. Their scores are low. And I was like, how about we focus on the students that are struggling, not just focus on like a number. You turn people into statistics or, or, or you turn people into data, then uh, where, where do you, you're starting to lack empathy. And that's it's happening in the classroom. 
you know, mm. in elementary school. And so what about how's that? And we've got a I live in an affluent neighborhood. I mean, I've got a, a, a decent house, but like people in oil and gas have these huge mansions um, and and they've had these expectations and they're giving their kids anxiety for their expectations they put on to their children and they say okay you need to pursue this degree i i always kind of think what about the arts you know what about um the life sciences things that aren't necessarily math and science uh you know law or medicine is there going to be some deficit in the future where there are people not enough people to fill these jobs even even these jobs like you know sanitation departments or whatever um Mm. It, it's stuff like that. It does bother me. Um, I think that we don't have a class system that is so obvious like they do in other countries where they literally say, okay, you're in this class. This is your who you can marry, and this is what you're going to do. But there is sort of a class system. Um, yeah, it's kind of tacit, but it's, it's there. You, you find it a lot in real estate. When we're buying a house, we kind of, what kind of neighborhood can you live in? What schools are there? And then that's where it starts. You, you, mm. you, you move into a neighborhood you can afford and it has all these amenities, all of these after-school programs. The, the best after-school programs and, and extracurriculars and everything, it's in urban areas with affluent suburban areas that are filled with different but pretty much the same type of people which is high income uh engineers doctors lawyers and and then that's where it starts and then you you feed that into the school system probably private school system uh and that's our class system and um Mm. luckily with software engineering especially maybe with the with the boot camp we're kind of like circumventing the, you need a computer science degree. Um, mm. I've talked to a lot of recruiters and a lot of um, just people in the industry and say, computer science degree is not necessary. It used to be that even for, especially for the Spain companies that you have to be, you know, have to graduate from MIT, Berkeley, uh, Harvard, Yale with a computer science degree, even a master's for an entry level position. Now I think that they are realize that this market is saturated with people who don't know how to work with other people who don't who lack empathy and it's not to say that um, being a human being is exclusive to middle class and poor but I think that you there's value in adversity and a struggle mm. and, and to to earn even by like sheer force of will what um, what you know your advantages in life I think that totally. it's totally. one of our fears as parents, like they're three years old. They have more than we've ever had already. And, mm. and then going into software engineering, me and my wife, uh, we're looking at potentially making 200 to $250,000 a year um, mm. within the next year or two. And that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot mm-hmm. for us. A lot for anyone, really, uh, yeah. considering that poverty level universally one percent above is fifty-two thousand. So mm-hmm. uh, we don't want them to have the silver, silver platter kind of life. We want them to appreciate 
where we've been and not get so disconnected. That thing that happened to my friend, uh, mm. she just lost touch. And, uh, and I think if you're bred and born into that lifestyle, you never had a touch to lose. It's just, that's your starting point. And, and I, I applaud anyone who's, who's comes from a wealthy background and it's just a, a great human being, really like well-rounded, because that must be mm-hmm. very difficult to do. So class system, long I know I'm so long-winded, but class system, definitely. But is it obvious? Only when you're not in it, maybe. Like mm-hmm. if you're in it, it's like uh, maybe if you're maybe if you're out of it, it's obvious. But if you're in it, it's just your lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, it's it's unfortunate, and I don't think you can get away with it. Money and power, those, those are pretty much directly correlated. Yeah, well, I think the the problem is part of the problem is we have this myth of the American dream that anyone can you know pull themselves up by their bootstraps and and accomplish anything, and and there is class mobility. But I think in reality, that's pretty rare these days. And for the most part, I mean, like like you said, you know when you grow up what school you go to influences you know what opportunities you have and it's just kind of a a viciously reinforcing cycle and we don't really have the same kind of flexibility that we used to have if that ever existed and yeah (laughs) yeah yeah well who knows who knows if it was ever there yeah in the first place but i'd like to think that it's still very possible for people to to change and i think that um like that's what i'm trying to do Mm. but um who knows what my family looks in a generation or two what if we're prior to the problem so hopefully we can keep our identity and our culture because part of the reason and and coming from a hispanic background uh you know um family immigrated into this country but every Every generation, I feel like there is a little of dilution of culture where mm. we lost. We don't. I've never been to Mexico. Um, mm. It's and I don't speak Spanish. Uh, there are circumstances more than just like it's not a choice for me, but like it becomes less important because people are just struggling to to work and and to 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 to, to stay above the poverty level and and then to push their kids into college and stuff and just like uh, there are sacrifices that be are being made um but one of the one of the hardest ones to witness is, is cultural sacrifices yeah damn so trevor how do you feel about um you know you you, you are currently pursuing a computer science degree uh, how do how do you feel? Uh, what 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 led you to that decision as opposed to uh, other forms of uh, education? And how do you feel that educational experience is going for you so far? Yeah, well, I only know the CS degree side of it now because I've never done a boot camp. But my my feeling was always I really want to do research, and from what I've heard, it's really hard to get into research without a without a degree. Mm. And I'm sure there are people who do do it without a degree, but you know, I, I want to learn like assembly language and compilers and all the kind of nitty gritty, more like base level stuff that I feel like you would miss out on in most boot camps. And it's not that you can't, you know, teach those things uh, to yourself, but 
I think, I think, yeah, I think the, the wanting to do research was the main motivation. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to start my second year of this degree, but during this past summer, I've already been doing research on green computing. So I feel like I'm kind mm-hmm. of, I got kind of where I wanted it to be pretty, pretty fast within a year of I'm actually like helping this professor with his research and, you know, there's papers involved. And so that, that was always kind of my, my main motivation for doing the degree rather than the, the boot camp. Yeah, right on. I think that people, they, they're too, they generalize the paths, you know, like they're very different. Mm-hmm. And I think they come in different stages of your life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one point in my life, I was a computer science major. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a longer story, but um, it, I, I feel like you can come to the same uh, destination, but you, you have different roles you can fill, like you said. Mm-hmm. Like research, for sure. I don't think you'll find that in a boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just knowing how to study a language and, and things. I think those are offered in, in, a, in a computer science degree to, to it just the, the time that you're allocated um, in, a, in a standard four-year or maybe a master's program, you, you can't get that with a, a 12-week program or a, or a 38-week program like we're in. But um, but I, I do think that you can get um, a good level proficiency. It really depends on the person, like anything else. Yeah, I think I think the the thing I've I've heard to be aware of is like it's totally possible to go through a four year computer science degree and come out the other side not being able to code. Like some people just never get the like the muscle memory and the proficiency and just kind of the base level of knowledge. And I think I think that's what people say to watch out for is it's very easy to just kind of go through the motions and not really retain a whole lot of it. You know, just learn the stuff mm-hmm. for the class and then, you know, you forget it the next day or whatever. I think I think it takes yeah. yeah, I think it takes more intention to to kind of get the the same level of actual proficiency you would get in a, from a boot camp. That's kind of my absolutely. Impression. And tr- of course, Trevor, we know that, or at least I know that you are an incredibly dedicated and hardworking individual so like obviously you're gonna get the most out of that program that is possible for anyone to get Uh, (laughs) it does like an investment whatever you're putting in is what you're going to get it's if you want in a boot camp to to get a, a job then you've got to i think a lot of people don't focus on the soft skills you've got to do more than just the coding you know yeah, mm-hmm. networking is a huge thing. There's in my profession, my current profession, teaching. I don't network. There's no need. At least mm-hmm. I don't see a need. Some people do it, like to become an administrator. But I don't. I don't play that game. But like networking now, mm-hmm. to me, is more important than ever. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I think both paths are pretty daunting. Both paths, both paths have pretty inherent risk. Uh, computer science degree you might not be a coder you might end up having to go to a boot camp or or at least study coding for hours outside of your course work and that's that's so totally fine and for us in the boot camp we're going to have to we might hit a wall where we needed to maybe like pursue a degree or or study the computer science fundamentals or um 
and I, I'm really not even too familiar with what a computer science degree entails, but um, I, I would like to know that software engineering, computer science is for everyone. Uh, so, you know, just take the path that works for you as long as you're working hard on it, you dedicate yourself, you can make some sacrifices and just keep pushing forward. Yeah, yeah, and you, and you have to find the th- the thing that like lights a fire under your butt that makes you want to get up in the morning and and hit it, you know. Yeah, mm. that is true. Absolutely. Do you, do you have a sure. do you, is there like a a certain thing or like a certain concept in computer science you find just exceptionally beautiful or exciting or or I don't know what, what's like what's like the coolest thing in in coding or computer science to you? Hmm coolest thing um i'm not sure if it's computer science related but uh persisting memory you know like just Mm -hmm. making caching things closure um and then recursion in general is really cool Mm -hmm. things go over and over and in a loop until there's a breaking condition Mm -hmm. it well it seems super you know, things has become more and more complex as you, you as you um, marry thing two uh, concepts together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I think that thing I love the most is problem solving. Uh, as far as not as like algorithm, but how am I going to accomplish this goal with the tools that I have? Um, and then you you always find yourself doing research. I've never it, to me I've never looked up how to teach and maybe i know other teacher students so but you know props to them but um with computer science and with software engineering i'm always sticking in documentation and and um finding somebody to help me and collaborate with me and that's well it's maybe not a, like a computer science thing it's something i always look forward to is collaboration mm. totally. yeah yeah I, th- I think about a lot how we've we've built this internet that lets all of all these people communicate and now we're using the internet to get better at coding and it's just kind of this like we're, we're sharing knowledge and creating this kind of super intelligence built out of everyone who knows how to code and we're all just kind of you know when we're coding we're just this little augmentation of this gigantic intelligence that is already the internet and everyone who's on it you know and i think i think mm. collaboration is is i mean that's that's kind of what's gotten us to this point in in human history right it's just all these people building this this knowledge base and and it sounds cliche but you know it's it's further than anyone one person could do by themselves right mm-hmm. oh it's yeah. a whole it's a totally. universe so all of the technical development is just like this vast vast unending landscape of you know things that exist things that people have made shapes and contours it, it blows my mind yeah. yeah i've been doing this research thing this summer and you know a lot of it is simply just googling things and i'm i just keep having the feeling like i am just this tiny augmentation of slight intelligence on top of this large knowledge base that already exists and i'm just kind of adding this this little layer at the top to to what's already there well that's just human history that's what we've been doing for ages even before the information age and uh, one could argue the information ages as soon as we were able to write and not just have uh, knowledge passed strictly through language, but um, yeah. 
but that's what we are doing. We're passing knowledge through language, which is codes and binary uh, zeros and ones, and um, and that's what I'm doing with my kids. I'm I'm teaching them, you know, language, how to walk, how to talk, and eventually, I will teach them, th- uh, you know, computer science and and mm. uh, things that I know and pass on. That's that's our responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, and so you are creating history, and. Maybe that's, you know, maybe then you're like, okay, what impact am I leaving? Because am I, am I helping TikTok? <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I'm creating like these, these little entertainment videos and that, that's, that's cool. Or am I, am I doing something profound? Um, I guess it depends on your definition of what, how you're helping. And, and, but it's all there. It's all our history. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. Uh, not that I've ever witnessed it, but just to see our, our civilization thousands of years from now and see what what impact the actual uh, the information age actually played out mm-hmm. you know what happened yeah uh yeah. have you have you looked in a whole lot to kind of the impacts of artificial intelligence and the the singularity and all that stuff definitely not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh that i haven't looked into that at all but i'm welcome to hear something about it okay well yeah. uh, there's there's like a non-zero chance that by the end of our lifetimes, we'll have invented super intelligent AI. And of course, no one knows. It could be 100 years. It could be in 500. It could be in 20. Some people are saying like 2040 as 2045. Um, but it's very possible we'll see very dramatic transformational change in, in human society within our lifetimes based on artificial intelligence. And I think we're already seeing it. And where dramatic change might involve the extinction of the human race or like ascendancy or some crazy batshit yeah, stuff that we can't there, there's lots of debates on how point. worried we should be that that things will get out of hand <laughs> but uh. oh you always create the thing you fear right yeah hmm. it's called being a parent <laughs> <laughs> but but beyond that no it's uh oh I, I mean that that could give me some existential dread uh but I, I think I don't know like I don't know if I'll Witness that is that's a problem for me to think about. Yeah, uh, certainly, um, I know it's going to happen. But I guess my curiosity is more like: is there intelligence like intelligent life out there already? You know, like has this already happened? What if? <laughs> what if it's a cycle where the discovery of actual artificial intelligence is an extinction event? And that just happens to all the planets <laughs> that could bear life. You uh-huh. know? Yeah, it's, uh, that's part of the, the worry. It's the, it's the solution to the Fermi yep. paradox. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that doesn't keep you up at night, I don't know what will. Toddlers. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Well, Eric, it's been super, super awesome to have you on the podcast Um, coming up to about the 45 minute mark. And since we've got a couple other guys uh, from your podcast who are coming on, would you want to take a a minute, some closing words and also uh, make a plug for your podcast? Sure. Um, Closing words. I just want to reiterate that uh, I'm grateful to be on this podcast and also that... uh, that coding is for everyone, you know, 
doesn't really matter when you start. If that's what you want to do, if it's a passion, then do it. Um, you should be valued as an employee. Uh, you only get to live once. So just make sure that if you're in the pursuit of knowledge or or if you're you're climbing your that career ladder or or doing whatever, just make sure you do your best and that people appreciate you. Uh, that was the principal thing, like that mm. that really changed me. Like I was on the fence with to to get into a boot camp for for years, about three or four years. But then this last year was treated very kindly as a teacher, as a professional, and. Uh, mm. You know, that's unfortunate, but sometimes you come up to those events and you're like, okay, time for a change. Recognize that, that time and then, you know, take action on it. And mm. yeah, uh, my podcast is Java Unscripted. We release uh, episodes every other, we record ev- episodes every other Sunday and then we release them whenever my audio engineer uh, <laughs> cleans them up. So grateful for him. Uh, yeah, so thanks so much for having me here. Yeah, it's been our pleasure. Fear not the flicker
bright arcs turn to coal fire. Let it burn with abandon. This I promise you. You will feel no pain as your body warms.